Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A strange spiraling white light was spotted in the early morning sky over Sydney with even skeptical witnesses wondering if it was a UFO. They were last seen on the beach with a tall man. And that's the best description police have ever had of him. More than 17 years after Harold Holt disappeared into raging surf at Cheviot Beach, his widow has finally revealed his last romantic words. Shocking, terrifying, mesmerising. That's the way a number of Australians have described their alleged encounter with the Yowie. It's time for the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. Welcome to the Weird Crap in Australia podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Soul. This is episode 173. And joining me for another episode of the weird, wonderful and downright Australian is my co-host, Holly Soul. Speaking of, had a bit of a thing on the way home today. Striving along the road. Shadows were moving in a weird way. Thought I saw a yowie. <laughs> You know, it's, but, you know, I thought I did. It's actually the night for it. I definitely thought a couple of uh, trees on my way to, uh, on my way home as well, looked a little bit sus. But uh, I think it's just, isn't it a combination tonight of like nearly full moon plus a lot of like low cloud cover, I think. And the wind as well, moving a lot of trees and bushes and stuff. A lot of fog. Yeah. All that sort of fun stuff. Well, speaking of fun stuff that happens to you at night- no, it's not going to be a sexy podcast, but I'm I'm sorry I got your hopes up. Actually, I should have should have thought about that. No, it's not a sexy one, uh, but we are indeed going back into the world that is most demanded. That is the world of the UFO, the unidentified flying object. No, not anymore. They're now UAPs. UAPs. Technically speaking, because this case was reported back in the '60s, it's actually. A UFO case, not a UAP case. I thought it would be a retroactively applied. I mean, it's all bullshit. So who really gives a <laughs> fuck? I've <laughs> got to be specific, Matthew. That's uh, why the listeners are here. <laughs> and one of our listeners has told me that I swear too much and then I did it again. Yeah. They are right. We I didn't do. even manage to much. get through the wiggles. If it was going to be any of them, it was going to be the wiggles and we didn't manage it. Yeah. So it's just not going to happen, or at least I'm going to try my absolute best. Well, Holly is 100% right. We are going back into the world of the UAP, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, or the UFO, the Unidentified Flying Object. We're going back to the swinging 60s. And another priest. What is it with priests checking out UFOs? Well, they're always looking to the heavens for a sign, you see. You think that's it? Sounds right. What do you think? <laughs> I don't 19- know if that's why. 1960s Australia, all you could do was come home, eat dinner, watch a little bit of TV, and then just sit on your porch and hope for the best. Very few people had a TV back then, so I doubt very so much that's a thing. You had dinner and then sat on the porch and hoped for the best. Read a book while the light was still good, something like that. At around 6.10pm on October 4, 1960, Anglican Minister Reverend Lionel Browning and his wife were standing in their dining room in the rectory at Cri- in Cressy, Tasmania. 
What's interesting about this, of course, Holly, is that you can draw parallels uh, to the encounter of the Dandenong region, uh, which was also witnessed by a man of the cloth. Yes, Mr. Cozens. I feel really dirty talking about priests after a couple, couple of, of episodes, episodes we did a little while ago. Well, this is like outside the time frame, right? Like 1909 and 1960. I'm sure that counts. <laughs> Better that you're checking out what's happening in the sky. They're molesting children. Absolutely. Keep a watch for angels. Don't keep a watch for kids. <laughs> yeah. I have no problems with UFO enthusiast priests. They're not my problem. No. <laughs> the Brownings were looking east towards the hills, which were partially obscured by low clouds and rain, thus forming a rainbow in the setting sun. As they stood watching, Reverend Lionel's wife drew his attention to a long cylinder-shaped object emerging from the rain clouds. Cloud was doing a poop. <laughs> Sigh. I, when I was going over the script and doing some additional work today, I have had that joke in my head for about seven hours and it has made me chuckle throughout the night and I knew I'm going to get home and I'm going to record it and you're going to hate every second of that joke. Yep. At least you know <laughs> me well enough to know that. Little Cloud is doing a poop. <laughs> I, th- I don't know whether this is worth me swearing, honestly. <laughs> Sad face. Sorry. <laughs> the object was described as a dull grey colour with four or five vertical black bands around its circumference and then again along its length, basically creating a crisscross pattern. The object seemed to be about 100 feet long. Reverend Lionel estimated that the object was over the pant... I think it's Pansanger, but I'm not a Tasmania, so I don't know. Over the Pansanger estate, about six to seven kilometres to the east, using the landmarks it flew over to estimate its location and speed. When the object emerged from the rain clouds, it headed north at about 100 to 110 kilometres an hour, at a constant height of about 400 feet. Again, referencing the landmarks underneath the object, Reverend Lionel theorised that it travelled about two kilometres north then stopped. Within a few seconds, five or six smaller saucer-like objects swarmed around the cigar, emerging from the clouds above and behind the larger object. I was waiting for another joke there. You obviously only had one queued up. What what joke did you think I, I was going to I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I don't know. I, I mean, there's really nothing I can, uh, I can say about that. Um, uh, only that it's an interesting thing here. So we've got two similarities to plenty of different UFO experiences. Um, this is a gar-shaped object. There are sort of like two classic objects uh, when it comes to UFO encounters, number one being the saucer, uh, which of course was popularized uh, due to things like the War of the Worlds uh, and comic books at the time. And of course, the uh, Roswell incident. The other one is the c- cigar shaped object, which you don't hear about much anymore. Usually now it's just like these little blobby lights that fly around everywhere. But uh, the cigar shape was quite popular. What's interesting though is the emergence of. Um, additional saucer-like objects. So that sort of makes it very difficult for a debunker uh, to sort of explain away. I mean, you can talk about as a mirage or maybe someone seeing something that they they think they saw, but it was a trick of the light or something along those lines. But um, an object that has play with a bunch of individual objects, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to explain. Usually a debunker is going to turn around and say, well, 
you know, quite possibly it's a, a meteorite or some sort of um, of debris burning up in the atmosphere, which it very well could have been. So, yeah, cigar-shaped object. I haven't encountered a lot of them here in Australia, but it is definitely part of the UFO lexicon. The object was visible for about two minutes and the smaller ones for about half of that time. Neither witness heard a noise that they could actually attribute to the objects. They were silent ships. Reverend Lionel and his wife watched the area for a few more minutes, but there was no reappearance. The Reverend then called the aerial control tower at the nearby Western Junction Airport in order to report the sighting. Sky object. The Minister for Air, Mr Osborne, said the RAAF was considering information supplied by the Reverend Lionel Browning and his wife of Cressy, Tasmania, of an unidentified object they saw recently. All such reports were investigated by the RAAF and information exchange with the RAF and USAF. However, most of the reports have been caused by natural phenomena. And that comes from the Canberra Times on the 21st of October, 1960. It's interesting that they consulted with uh, the United States Air Force. And the RAF is the UK. Oh, that's very interesting, isn't it? Five eyes are back, baby. Uh, the, I mean, the early days of the five eyes. It's also important to remember too, you know, you can put the conspiratorial hat on and go, why are all these different, you know, nations talking? Well, this is also at the height of the Cold War, so... You know, Cuban crisis is about three, four, two, three years away. Yeah. So there, there's definitely anything that's weird that's popping up in the sky. The UK, Australia and the, the US are talking about it. And of course, you know, we also have the establishment of places like Pine Gap. So the sharing of information amongst intelligence agencies is definitely underway. Within a few hours of the sighting, a few residents of the Cressy Pert district heard a loud explosion described as a brutish individual banging ferociously on a wall by Mrs. J. Robson of Barlington Estate. She also claimed she could hear the earth shake. A Mr. B. Spencer corroborated the story with his own account and offered that the explosion was powerful enough to shake his house, followed by rumbling vibrations. That sounds good, like an earthquake. Good, good, good vibrations. I thought you were going to start doing like a Metallica solo and just claim it was like a rock concert shaking the earth. I'm going to go with my line. I prefer <laughs> my line better. That's why you're the researcher <laughs> and you're the humor dude, guy. And, and you're I'm the, funny the humor dude. guy. The Civil Aviation Department said consistently that there were no aircraft in the vicinity at the time of the sighting and passed the reported sighting from Reverend Lionel onto the RAAF. That report was uncovered by Professor MacDonald in 1990, but the RAF had failed to date the report themselves. Now, Mr. MacDonald, who may Not- have had a farm. <laughs> oh, you like that one. That, that, that one got a, a slight up. chuckle out of you. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this guy's actually a UFO enthusiast, right? Yes, like he, he, but he has a day job. <laughs> He has an actual day job. He is an actual scientist, but he's also a UFO enthusiast. Yeah. Like he's one of Bill Chalker's cronies, essentially, right? Like one of his mates, not one his of cronies. Yeah, cronies' mates. Goon, hired goon. On October 9, Reverend Lionel gave a full interview to the Launceston Examiner. An article about the sighting was published on October 10, along with a sketch slash photo composition from their dining room window. So what they used to do way back before Photoshop was they'd take a photo and then they draw a sketch and put it on the photo where they think it was. Oh, that's pretty cool. 
Well, that's rudimentary as a Photoshop. <laughs> the reporting was a little over-exaggerated and contained some inconsistencies. It indicated that the object was 300 feet long, not the 100 feet claimed by Browning, and that there were other witnesses who had also seen the object. Reverend Lionel only faulted the article for its depiction of the craft simply because the object was depicted above the skyline when he said it should have been below. Below the skyline! Below! Yeah, the hills behind them, not the clouds. I'm sure he wasn't that angry. I just feel like <laughs> inflecting that he was that angry uh, about that. Um, it's kind of funny that he got really pissed off about that one detail that they fucked up, considering they fucked up a lot. Like, you know, it's a bit of an exaggeration to go from this thing was 100 foot long to like, it was 300 feet. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right? Am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong, but... Yeah, again, it's funny. Like you said, it's funny that he picked up on it's in the wrong spot, not it's too big. Yeah, that's the that's a real thing that got it uh, got stuck in his craw. Reverend Lionel later said that since he'd come forward with the sighting, he'd been contacted by other witnesses to the object, as well as the sounds of loud explosions with no obvious origins. This included one he heard himself on October 27 at about 9.30pm. Michael Hervey's book, UFOs Over the Southern Hemisphere, we'll have to see if we can track that down, Holly. I have tracked it down. Oh, we have it? How much? I haven't bought it yet. It's about $25. That's actually not bad for an out-of-print book. From the 60s, yeah. Uh, we, we rely heavily. I'm not trying to do a plug here, but this is the truth. Um, we rely heavily on our Patreon money uh, in order to track down some of these UFO books because they're super expensive because they had really limited print runs and they're very, very rare. And people and, like to hoard them. And people like to hoard them and the people who do sell them know their value. So we got Bill Chalker's Oz Files, which is actually a really, really small book. It's 120 pages long and it cost us 50 bucks. Yeah, it was bloody expensive, but it, it also gave us like, so far, a ton of different episodes, including uh, parts of this episode. So, you know, it was definitely worth the investment. But yeah, if you're ever curious about where the Patreon dollars go, a lot of the time it goes to out-of-print uh, books and, and things like that, especially in the uh, the UFOs. So I'm actually quite surprised that that book's only $25. We'll have to snag that one up. Yeah. We're actually going to end up with this massive archive of Australian UFO material. We're just going to end up with a massive archive of old Australian books. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. Yes, we're from the uh, Royal Air Force. May we? Look, we're just going to take your uh, book collection. <laughs> we need a bit, so we're just going to take We're taking all. these. You do, <laughs> you've collated too much data. You know too much now. Well, I mean, most of the books would be in the episodes by that point in time, so we just have an audio referenced. 
Not only that, but they'd also be in our book, Weird Crap in Australia, Volume 1 and Volume 2, now also available. I, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to plug. It's just that's what has happened. Uh, you know, we're, we're also making sure these stories are sort of what we like to do when we write about UFOs is take the best bits, condense it down a little bit, and remove a little bit of the fluff. I call it wank, but yes. <laughs> I was trying to be nice to our ufologists out there or our... You apologists? Ufologists. Oop. Oopologists? Oopists? I don't know. Mm. I'm going to have to work out what yeah, that, we'll have to work that one out. of that one is. Yeah. Anyway, back to the quote, Matthew. <laughs> Michael Harvey's book, UFOs Over the Southern Hemisphere, 1969, mentions the Cressy sightings and said that another eyewitness, a Mrs. D. Branston, who said, It was a fantastic sight. Uh, like a lot of little ships flocking around a bigger one. In TUFOIC's 1970s report gathered from the Reverend Browning and his notes on the case, a Mrs. Branston is also mentioned as having seen the cigar from near the rectory. Rectory? Damn near rector at the rectory. That's actually- Also inappropriate for a clergyman. (laughs) Oh dear, I stole that joke actually from last podcast on the left. So I'm going to attribute that to Ben Kissel because that is definitely not my joke, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't let that one uh, slide past. Damn near rector. (laughs) A young child is also reported as having seen the objects, but he was disciplined pretty quickly after. What, what movie is it? Refresh my memory, Holly, where the kid's like, Oh, it's Superman. Remember the original Christopher Reeve Superman where she goes and she's like, mommy, mommy, a man flew out of the sky and rescued my cat. And she, you hear like, stop lying. And then you hear a smack. Yeah. And it's meant to be done for laughs, but it's- Nowadays it's not. Doesn't hold up too well. Just remind me of that. Anytime a child's like, I saw a UFO. No, you didn't. Whack. Mrs. D. Branson reported that she thought the object looked a lot like little ships flocking around a bigger one. The sighting became such big news to the greater parts of the country that it was even addressed in Parliament. Frederick Osborne, the federal member for Evans, which is Inner West Sydney, took exception to the report and his fellows' incessant questions and finally addressed it the best he could. The Minister for Air, Mr Osborne, said yesterday that Wing Commander G Waller, the resident Air Force officer in Tasmania, would interview Mr Browning. Wing Commander Waller also would interview other persons who reported seeing the flying saucers. Mr. Osborne released this information yesterday to Mr. Duthie, who asked him to investigate the reports if they had not already been investigated. That comes from the Canberra Times on the 18th November 1960. What a fucking awesome name though. Wing Commander G. Waller. Every time I wrote Waller into this episode, you I just thought th- of Amanda Waller yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I just love that, you know. Uh, oh, so I'm 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 just saying you up uh, on a on a blind date. Uh, I know you've been after uh, a little bit of companionship, and uh, I think you'll really like my friend. Oh yeah, what's your friend's name? Well, my friend's name is Wing Commander G Waller. And then the Top Gun theme starts. Blaring in the background. <laughs> Which one? Is that the uh, <laughs> the one from the beach volleyball game? 
I don't know. I've never actually watched it. Me either. <laughs> it's actually really bad because I know I should, uh, but I know enough of it that I know it's probably uh, not for me. No, it's definitely not I think, one of those. Um, the, the, the famous one you're thinking of is uh, oh, Away wait. to the Danger Zone. Yep. Yeah, Kenny Loggins. <laughs> it was also noted that Osborne was not prepared to make any decisions public, which has ignited conspiracy theories all over the internet. No, Holly. Get out of here. <laughs> How could that possibly be? You want to spark a conspiracy theory on the internet, say no comment and just watch it go. It's like a wildfire. It's amazing. These con- persistent conspiracies also found fuel due to the official ruling. Wing Commander GL Waller. Interviewed the Brownings on... No- I'm just going to keep going. Interviewed the Brownings on November 11, 1960. This was not the first member of the clergy to report this kind of thing, of course, and they were known to be very reliable witnesses in UFO cases. Not in other cases. I'm, I'm not going there. <laughs> in spite of the number of UFO sightings that had crossed his desk in the last 10 years, Waller had seen... Uh, 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 uh. Wing Commander GL Waller. ...had seen his fair share of hoaxes. However, he concluded that these were credible witnesses and were not likely to play an elaborate ruse for attention. He concluded that they were stable, responsible and unexcitable individuals who would not perpetrate a hoax and were genuinely and firmly convinced that they saw actual objects. And that comes from our mate Bill Chalker. Of course they saw actual objects. You know, they saw something... Commander G.L. Waller. His report was supported by Reverend Lionel's notes and written observations, and not purely from the interview alone. On November 14, 1960, the director of the Directorate of Air Force Intelligence, which I'm going to call Daffy from now on. Because <laughs> that's how dumb they are. <laughs> he Rabbit season. <laughs> handed his report to the Federal Minister for Air. He stated, whoa, 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 which whoa, is Osborne. Whoa. Do we really have a federal minister for we air? We used to. In the 40s, 50s, 60s, we used to. How's the air going? Air is fine. Here's my report on the air. From memory, the minister for air, which was the dude in charge of the Air Force, his position actually was created after the airplane disaster down the road here when half the cabinet was killed. That is the most Australian way... To describe <laughs> a aerial disaster. You know, just down the road, mate. Fucking plane crashed. Holy shit. The Canberra air disaster happened in the late 40s. Yes. No, in the mid 40s because it affected the World War II response. As a result of that, Harold Holt returned to Parliament to go on to become Prime Minister. That's that link back to the mainline episodes. Yep. We actually covered it in our Gamacon appearance. We covered it in Gamacon. We also talked a little bit about it uh, when uh, Nicole Overall joined us for the yep. uh, the episode on, um, on on basically what she's covering on her podcast. Uh, Karen never, Rowland. Yeah, Kelly Rowland. <laughs> Karen. We've, sorry, Karen Rowland. Thank you. Um, we've never actually done that story. For you guys. But we keep doing little bits of that particular story over like three different episodes and a live performance. So we actually have to do that story one day. It's it's not long enough for an actual episode. Remember, we paired it up with Ghosts of Camera. Yeah. Well, what we might do one. Did we actually cover it in an episode? No, we didn't. 
What we might need to do around, because October's coming up, so spooky season, maybe we need to do like a, a compilation episode of like three true scary stories. Okay. And that could be one of it. All right. Because we've got all these little tiny stories that sometimes we just can't turn into an episode. So maybe we do that. Maybe we do a ghost, a UFO and a murder, but, you know, short ones. The anthology episode for Halloween. Yeah. I reckon that might be an idea. Blake, can you put that in the show list for me? Because I'm going to forget. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're at the Minister for Air. Now, he stated that a preliminary analysis indicated the sighting was of a natural phenomenon. Included in this statement was a letter between Wing... Sorry, I'll let you say it. Wing Commander G.L. Waller. Of the RAF and investigating meteorologist Professor James McDonald, in which he stated he thought the Brownings to be stable and not likely to flights of fancy. I mean, he's irreverent. He's already on a flight of fancy. But that's, that's me. A few days after the interviews, however, the directorate of Daffy released a statement contrary to... GL Commander Waller. Assessment of the phenomenon. It is true. It's Daffy, D-A-F-I. Yeah, Daffy. The presence of scud-type clouds moving in varying directions due to turbulence in and around a rain squall near where the objects were sighted. And the position of the moon or its reflections produce the impression of flying objects. That's from Chalker again. The RAF passed the sighting off as an astronomical phenomenon. Oh, you did that. You got to do the banana boat thing. That's uh, a listener years ago taught me how to do it. Phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, that's how she helped me out because I could never get across it. Now it's like whenever I get stuck, I just think of the dun, 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 phenomenon. Dun, 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 dun. Phenomenon. The worst a couple of other words too. I just can't remember what they are now. Phenomenon. Anemone. Well. Interesting, and I've probably brought it up on podcasts before. That particular tune was, of course, made famous by the Muppets, mm -hmm. right? Uh, dun, 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 dun. It was the chickens, right? Didn't yeah. the chicken sing it? <laughs> Thank you. That is exactly what a chicken uh, <laughs> sounds like. Uh, and, of course, Jim Henson actually picked up that tune uh, when he was overseas uh, watching a Swedish porno film. True and story. Stuck in his head. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Those cute, wholesome little chickens. Uh, Clucking along to porn. To a porno track. <laughs> oh, dear. Just raises so many questions. The moon was rising shortly after 6 p.m. that day and would be visible in an east-southeast direction. The moon's reflection on the clouds could be a possible explanation for the fact that the object moved in and out of the clouds in such a haunting way. Reverend Browning dismissed the RAAF's explanation. The moon, he said, would not have been competing with a glorious sunset, whilst the easterly skyline was not visible due to rain covering the Ben Lomond area. And that's from UFO Evidence, the Cressy Cigar. <laughs> doesn't have a cool name, does it? No, it doesn't. Now, Reverend Lionel has a point, as the moon at the time would have been hidden behind the foothills. 
This doesn't, however, explain the different viewpoint of Mrs. Bresden. It would be very small odds she saw the same mirage from a completely different angle. But not completely out of the question, right? Like You're looking like one in a trillion rather than like one in ten. You think it's that high? Do you you not know how light refracts? (laughs) I know that, but I mean, we also have done so much- you know, research into this sort of stuff. It's and fine, but physics don't change on the I same know that. scale. <laughs> I know. It's just, I don't know. I don't think it, it's quite as outside the range of possibility that they could have accidentally seen a similar mirage or at least maybe different mirages that sort of had a similar effect. I'm going to leave you to die on that hill because I'm going to call it a no. <laughs> I'm not going to die on this hill. <laughs> In response to this report, Reverend Lionel rebutted points made by Daffy. He came out publicly and said that far from reassuring him, the 90-minute interview had actually made him more worried about the way he was being depicted. He indicated that the Daffy interview did not discuss the weather or its impacts on what he saw. Then how could they reach that conclusion? I suspect maybe the mischievous meddlings of uh, Rabbit were involved, perhaps. (laughs) Along with a dumb bald hunter? I mean, like, I think he... (laughs) I think that he he only got that upset, though. Not so much at the assessment, but more... Maybe he felt it was a slight or an attack on his own character. I think that's maybe what he's getting upset about. No doubt. (laughs) Because, I mean, I would be too. Like, I would be like, no, look, I, I did say this and I know the difference between a mirage and what we saw. And of course, what we saw was, uh, was quite strange and confusing. I know what a moon looks like. I've been seeing the moon almost every night my entire fucking life. That was not the moon. <laughs> yeah, he's seen many a bad moon arising. Sigh. He's even First you seen- go Walla and then you add a song from the movie. <laughs> he's even seen trouble over there. Oh, God. A quote from Matthew to read. I have no transition for this. <laughs> At no time was there a cloud or scud when I saw the objects. The mount was not the backdrop to what I saw. The rain cleared in front of us, although it was still raining near the mountains. I saw objects in the sky where there was no rain, and the rain near the mountains provided the backdrop to the bad moon that I saw arising. What he's saying is that you... <laughs> The light wouldn't have refracted in such a way as to cause the mirage because the rain was below the object, not on the object. He definitely knew the trouble was on the way. There is support for Reverend Lionel in this regard. If you don't work out that I'm going to ignore your shit, (laughs) that's on you. The meteorological- She's talking to me, folks, not the audience. (laughs) They know who I'm talking to. It's definitely not them. (laughs) I'm a bad little boy. (laughs) I'm going to have to find an organisation called Bugs and pit these guys against each other. I can just see it. The meteorological atmosphere of the day made the suggestion suggested explanation physically impossible, according to Professor McDonald, who is a meteorologist. You're about to say Professor McGonagall, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I've reading Harry Potter again. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> it's September. September 1, you always start reading the books again. Okay, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so you're going to have to explain Hogwarts why. Hogwarts school year starts this September oh, 1st. Oh, for God's sake, you fucking nerds. <laughs> Says the dude who likes aliens. Because aliens are real, quite obviously. 
<laughs> We've been doing years and years of research on UFOs. And I've been doing years and years of research on the Wizarding World. It's just as real. <laughs> Moving on. Fucking nerd. <laughs> These excuses became even more thin when you consider the rash of UFO sightings around that time, not just in Australia, but around the world. In early 1960, a silent cigar-shaped UFO was seen in Victoria, British Columbia. Witness Mrs. Footner thought it was a Soviet satellite, which had recently launched, but soon realised what she was seeing was not that. All right, so British Columbia, we're talking Canadian. Canadian. Easy. Actually, maybe not so easy. Let me see yeah, how- Yeah, now you've got to think about it. I actually grew up with a Canadian, so this should be even easier. Sorry, a boot. <laughs> <laughs> you like that a lot, do you? Sorry, a boot. A boot. A boot. A boot. She described the object as silver and shining in late sun with a number of twinkling lights along the side. Although she knew otherwise deep down, she asked herself once more if this strange object might be some kind of experimental wingless plane. However, not only did it not look like anything she had seen before, but the futuristic looking craft didn't make a single sound. As she continued to look up at the cigar-shaped craft, it suddenly veered at a right angle and swiftly disappeared over the trees, headed toward the Suki Mountains. The, the best I could do there was to channel like Terence and Philip. Hello, Terence. Hello, Philip. I knew I'd heard that <laughs> accent somewhere. I just couldn't place it. Well, they're, they're Canadian, so I assume it's really accurate. <laughs> <laughs> British crews in America make fun of a Canadian, but all right. I think I have a quarter stuck in my foot. <laughs> In early October 1960, the Brownings saw the craft. On November 15, only 50 kilometres to the north of Cressy, a US Air Force Martin JB-57 pilot flying over the area encountered another UFO. My navigator called out an aircraft approaching our left and slightly lower. I spotted the object and immediately commented to the navigator that it was not an aircraft, but more like a balloon. We judged its altitude to be approximately 35,000 feet, heading 140 degrees southeast. It's speedy, extremely high. From previous experience, I would say its closing rate would have been in excess of 800 knots. We observed this object for five or seven seconds before it disappeared under the left wing. Since it was unusual in appearance, I immediately banked to the left for another look, but neither of us could locate it. The colour of the object was nearly translucent, somewhat like that of a poached egg, a delicious breakfast that I had had earlier that day. That was Matthew ad-libbing, just to make sure that we keep this serious. <laughs> Twit. <laughs> there were no sharp edges, but rather fuzzy and undefined. The size was approximately seven feet in diameter. It did not appear to have any depth. So... By that description, I'm assuming it's like a 70-foot piece of paper. <laughs> according, to Chalker, dun 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 dun. Holly. according to Chalker, this sighting was hidden away in the depths of the Daffy UFO filing system. It was not the only cigar-shaped alien ship to be sighted around the world within a few years, however. At a little after 7pm on the 22nd of November, 1961, near Grafton, Nebraska, a local married couple witnessed a distinctly... Sh- a distinctly cigar-shaped UFO while driving along US Highway 81. The main witness, Melvin Vagel Jr. Oh, I bet you he was a hit with the ladies. 
noticed a strange red light in the starlit skies overhead. He alerted his wife to the strange glow, and they both watched it for several moments. This incident was not actually reported until a long time after. It was a clear summer afternoon in Lake Tahoe, California, in the late 70s when I saw my first UFO. The rough-hewn, cigar-shaped craft hovered for a long period of time at a distance over the lake. It was so obvious that all of my neighbours joined me on the street watching it, until it suddenly disappeared. And that comes from the world's eight best places to hunt for extraterrestrials by Jim Dobson. Now, Lake Tahoe then also had uh, a connection to the Zodiac Killer. Is that right? I don't remember. I think that was this one. This is your avenue. It's America. It could be, yes. <laughs> I, I think it is. I think it is. It's been a while since I've looked into the Zodiac case. In 2016, a similar object was spotted near the International Space Station, encouraging conspiracy theories. So this came from Rob Warren. Now, is he the one that played the guitar and live streamed a lot? On Rob Warren, I think so. Yeah, he had a, an amazing moustache. I'm pretty sure that's him. Honestly, I have no idea. As I was watching, I noticed a long cylinder object floating outside and below the space station. Its speed was matched with the ISS, but the object was semi-transparent. Just when I thought it was about to come into focus... The screen went blue. That's what happens when NASA catches a UFO on cam. They cut the feed for a few minutes. It reminds me of the cylinder UFO and orb seen on worldwide CNN back in 2006, near the space shuttle Atlantis long ago, which was followed by five to ten grey metal orbs. What the fuck, NASA? Why are you cutting the feed? Obviously because they don't want us to know that the aliens are coming down here. That is sus as shit, isn't it? Like, what <laughs> are they worried about? Isn't? Like, honestly, though, what are they worried about? Like, if they suddenly broadcast a UFO, like, why, why do should you not that- see the way humans have reacted to a pandemic? How the fuck do you think we'd react to an alien? We'd strip off and start having mass sex everywhere. No, that's not what would happen. Well, we're an alien heads. No. We'd do what they did in Independence Day, which is just hold up signs saying, welcome, no, come we'd down. We'd do what they did in Independence Day and go after them with guns. Only because they shot first. There were a bunch of people gathered underneath the ships and then the lady looks up and she's like, it's so pretty. And then boom, every major city is like just blown up instantly. And because we have been prepped by pop culture and it's in a human nature, we would take the initiative of a preemptive strike. And now a bunch of people would go out and take the, like, uh, Jay and Silent Bob method. You can say that if you want, but I'm looking at the American government, I'm looking at the British government, I'm looking at the Japanese government, and I'm looking at ours. I think it was, uh, I think it was Clerks, too, where Jay is lamenting that he didn't make more of his life, and he's like, you know, I could have been, like, an astronaut, I could have been one of the first people on Mars, met a Martian, and fucked it. Could you imagine that? They'd be like, hey, that dude banged a Martian once. Yeah, that's the Kirk philosophy. <laughs> I have found another beautiful alien species. Launch all probes. Uh, <laughs> the US Dong is ready to beam down. I don't even know where we are in the notes now because you've just got me so whacked. <laughs> so what? Whacked. My brain is so fuzzy. Okay. I just need you to clarify that a little bit. 
As much as we'd love to say aliens have stopped visiting this planet and erected a fence quarantining us off away from the rest of the galaxy, in 2018, a cigar-looking object was spotted rocketing around our solar system. When astronomers using WA's giant Manushku, Manush, help me out here. Merkison. Merkison Telescope first detected a mysterious cigar-shaped object in our solar system. They thought it must be a comet or asteroid. But after further study, they realized it came from another solar system, prompting speculation it could be an alien spacecraft. International Center for Radio Astronomy Research Reveals. So, I looked into that because I'm like, oh, this would be awesome. It took them more than a year for the science community to come out and say, yeah, no, it's not an alien. They do that all the time. And there was... It has a Hawaiian name. It was a piece of like, maybe this is it. I, cause oh, it Omahama. Omahama. I've read it. Which means visitor or, you yeah. know. It's a different object, yeah. but yeah. Um, a lot of people have said that there is at least some very interesting phenomenon got, occurring around that piece of whatever it was. You know, be it space debris or, or comet. It didn't act like a comet that we've seen before. It was shaped differently. It moved differently. Now, I'm skeptical. You, Anyone's listened to 173 73 episodes of Weird Crap in Australia knows that I'm the first person to call out bullshit. Usually mine. <laughs> space is too big. We don't know everything. And it is foolish to remove all possibilities. Like there's just this sort of the scientific community is a wonderful thing and I'm glad it's there and it helps keep us chugging along. It keeps the the societal train chugging along. But I tell you what, sometimes they get so locked into certain ideas that you just feel like shaking them and going, come on, like, you know, you, you can't be this narrow minded. Yeah. It's probably not an alien spacecraft, but Hey, it could be something interesting or it could be a rock maybe it's debris from an ancient civilization maybe a civilization billions of years ago on you know the other side of the universe killed themselves and this is a bit of their space garbage like there's no need to completely be like nah it's absolutely nothing i mean come on like a little bit of wonderment wouldn't hurt to take that long to turn around and say nah it's absolutely nothing actually leads to more conspiracy theories yeah that absolutely it does I'm going to leave you with one final thought. Is this an alien conspiracy cover-up? <laughs> Holly's really not good sometimes no, with I'm those not. ending dialogues. <laughs> um, one thing I will want to say, though, I want to bring this up quite briefly. Uh, if you grab our book, We're Crap in Australia, Volume 2, uh, in that I talk about the Tully UFO-ness, uh, and I also talk a little bit in connection uh, in that chapter with the Westall incident. Um, now, what I inadvertently discovered while going through uh, my research, um, you know, but going back over our notes, is that recently there was uh, a lot of Pentagon uh, military files were declassified. Uh, around this era, there were a lot of experimentation going on uh, in aircraft. It's becoming my pretty well-held theory at this point that the coincidental nature of all these different objects, which all appear similar, popping up around the world, um, 
I think it's fair to assume, if you want an earthly explanation for what's going on here, is the American military was most likely testing experimental aircraft in the airspace of their allies. Now, why would our you know, Royal Air Force have no clue what these things are? Well, if you're testing a stealth ship, you're going to want to see how stealthy it is. And whether, you're gonna, whether people can pick it up on radar or not. Yeah, and because they're your allies, they're going to provide you with reports. So that way you're actually able to gauge uh, just how stealthy your aircraft is. Or they're just also how less likely to shoot it down. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, when it comes to experimental aircraft, usually it's tested on its own people or, the, or potential allies as well. So that is something to consider. I have found corroborating evidence with the release of these files uh, to at the very least suggest that both the Canadians and the Americans were experimenting with saucer type aircraft. Now, the Canadians themselves actually pushed one into development. It flew. But no, just, you know, I don't think it was cost effective. And what I've seen from the Americans with this declassified information are blueprints for saucer-shaped uh, aircraft. Now, of course, people out there who are very like, aliens have been among us since the dawn of time. Um, they just say it's repurposed alien technology and they're more than welcome to um, to hold true to that theory. I, however, don't. Uh, I obviously believe that a lot of uh, what we consider UFOs uh, to be prototype aircraft or surveillance aircraft that was used. You know, a lot of people say, well, Roswell is, you know, one of the most famous UFO incidences. Um, absolutely it was because the American military discovered that if they used the cover story of extraterrestrials, um, they could easily bury the true story, which was, of course, they were experimenting with surveillance equipment that they were going to be flying over the USSR. Um, and I think it's really just propagated from there. So I think we've all been inadvertently, uh, you know, being used as puppets, um, when it comes to the US military testing experimental aircraft in uh, airspace where they really shouldn't have been. Uh, and I talk a little bit about that in uh, We Crap in Australia Volume 2. So I just wanted to put out that theory as well. Or it was aliens. Or it was a crocodile. <laughs> it was Maybe a space, it was a crocodile. <laughs> Maybe it was a space crocodile. An air crocodile. An air crocodile would be a dragon. Maybe it was a dragon. Would an air crocodile be a dragon? Yes. Yes, it would. I mean, I'm oddly specific about the forms of dragon, but moving on. Moving on. Well, that's it for another episode of Weird Crap in Australia. I hope you've enjoyed this UFO one. I'm really sorry if you're looking for a spooky UFO one, because I kind of made it fun and ruined it for everyone who was looking for a spookier uh, sort of UFO. But if you do want a, a, a spooky UFO tale, uh, I would uh, highly recommend going all the way back into the teens and checking out uh, our episode on the Cahill Encounter. That's uh, actually the 40s. Yeah, which is part of the uh, Dandenong Aliens of the Dandenong regions, which we also covered in Weird Crap in Australia Volume 1. Uh, so if you want a more spooky tale, head there. Uh, otherwise, of course, uh, we'll keep bringing more UFOs your way as we discover them as we go through these classic reports. Uh, now, before I leave, you don't forget, if you want to keep the conversation going, have you seen a UFO? We'd love to hear from you. You can find us hanging out on the social medias, uh, Weird Crap in Australia on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, we are at Weird Crap in Oz. You can also shoot us an email to weirdcrapinaustralia at gmail.com. Uh, we've also got a, a bit of merchandise out there at the moment. Weird Crap in Australia Volume 2 is now out and about. You can purchase that from our print-on-demand service at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. You can grab the Kindle edition 
Uh, shout out to fan Thomas Nielsen, uh, who grabbed himself the Kindle edition. Uh, you can grab your own Kindle edition from Amazon.com. Uh, we will have some stock headed to Impact Comics here in Canberra. They actually do mail outs all across Australia. Uh, but at the moment, we're just trying to uh, get some stock uh, from our print service through the postal system, which is currently closed so that they can get through a backlog. So we apologize that we don't have stock at Impact Comics at the moment. It is coming. Uh, if you'd like to uh, pre-order a copy or if you'd like to reserve a copy when they come through, make sure you shoot an email through uh, to Impact Comics and you can find their contact information at impactcomics.com.au. That's for our second book, We're Crap in Australia, Volume 2. As a special promotion, if you do buy a physical copy of the book before the end of the year, shoot through uh, your address to our email, wecrapinaustralia at gmail.com, and we will shoot through a signature sticker, which you can slap anywhere on your book, and we'll do that absolutely free of charge for supporting us in our work. Another way you can support the show, like I mentioned, is via Patreon. Type in Weird Crap in Australia in the search bar there. Uh, for as little as $5 US a month, you'll get a bonus mini-sode as well as our work in progress audiobook for volume one. As I record the chapters, I'm putting them up there for you. So each week you're getting a brand new chapter of our work in progress audiobook for Weird Crap in Australia volume one, which will then be shortly followed by Weird Crap in Australia volume two. So you get ad-free mainline episodes, you then get a bonus mini-sode, and you get an audiobook chapter all for $5 USD a month. It's pretty good value. And of course, that money goes straight back into purchasing more research material and making sure that we've got equipment uh, to continue to record these wonderful episodes just for you. And of course, if you'd like to get yourself some merch, we've got some alien theme merch on our Redbubble store, weirdcrapinoz.redbubble.com. There is some amazing alien designs that our buddy Ignacio has made for us. Uh, my personal favorite is an homage to Freddie Mercury and the Queen album where you've got the four heads together. We've got the Cahill alien, the demon of Luna Park, the Yowie, and in the middle of them, Ned Kelly. It's one of my favorite shirts. I absolutely love it. You'll be able to find that and more at our Redbubble store, weirdcrappynoz.redbubble.com. And if you're feeling happy about your purchase and you, you look cool in your shirt and you'd like us to see it, shoot through a photo of yourself in your shirt to weirdcrappinaustralia at gmail.com and we will post that up on our social medias. Otherwise, folks, that's it for another episode of Weird Crap in a Shit in a Little. And that's it for another episode of Weird Crap in Australia. Don't forget, uh, get vaccinated when you can, wash those hands, wear a mask. Trust me, there are better times coming. I've been your host, Matthew Soul, and of course, we give the final words to our researcher extraordinaire herself, Holly. While Matthew was doing his pitch, I bought that book. <laughs> Outstanding. There Thanks, you go. Thanks, Patreon supporters. <laughs> Patreon dollars headed straight to a book. Yes. Look at that in real time. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We've got more weird crap for you next week. Bye for now. Say yes. The Weird Crap in Australia podcast is hosted and produced by Holly and Matthew Soul. Our editor is Blake Kell. Weird Crap in Australia is a production of The Modern Meltdown.